Hello, and welcome to the Chime 30th Anniversary Podcast, where we are celebrating three decades of dedication to digital health leadership. I'm Russ Branzell, the host of this podcast and the CEO and president of Chime. Each week until the fall forum in San Antonio, we're going to be spending time with a digital health leader who has made a very special impact on Chime. Today, we welcome the board chair from 2010, a fellow of Chime, a CHCIO, everything Chime you can possibly think about, has traveled the world representing Chime, and now is an inaugural part of Chime University, our first ever, and hopefully only, provost of Chime University. A special welcome to Dr. Tim Stedheimer. Woo-hoo. All right. Hey, thank you, Russ. This is an exciting time to be able to be here. I'm I'm just thrilled. This is obviously we get to talk a lot and I always enjoy talking and visiting with members, but this is this is a fantastic opportunity and I'm just I'm appreciative of being here. Well, Tim, uh, you and I have literally traveled the globe together and probably know way too much things about each other that we won't share today. But let's talk a little bit because in, in, in some ways our journey is kind of the same, but I'd love to hear about your Chime journey, because everybody's a little bit different of why they got involved, how they got involved, and, and really what Chime meant to them as part of their career. Yours is even more unique as, as the, at this point in your career. I'd love to hear your story. Yeah, well, thank, thanks. And actually, I think we all have our own unique voices and stories, and that's sort of the value, frankly, that drew me to Chime, because Chime is about being able to draw near others who are dealing with some of the same struggles, dealing with some of the same opportunities, people who understand what you're going through. And as I think back uh, more than, I guess more than 20 years ago now, when I first joined Chime as a member, that's what I was looking for. I was uh, in my first CIO role and I was, frankly, I was like going, what the heck am I doing? <laughs> and so, you know, I was looking for those connections, that opportunity to talk to um, people who sort of had been there, done it. And it was real interesting because that would have been back in the early days of Chime. Um, maybe, you know, we were, uh, let me think, that would have been around 2000, maybe within a year or two before that. But, you know, showing up at like our my first fall forum, I remember uh, even walking through this dark room and bumping into some big guy named Russ uh, for the first, my first fall forum. But it's, it's, that opportunity that starts, frankly, when you attend your first Chime event. I mean, you always get to know people in your own city, um, or at least hopefully you reach out to those other CIOs. But when, you, when you're able to actually face to face start to share life together, I mean, that's, that's a huge experience. So my Chime story really starts there. It starts with trying to find people who can, I could talk to, relate with, and form relationships with that are now friendships that have lasted for decades. And frankly, have drawn me on further down the path. And then 20 years of CIOing, as it were, just um, made the journey a whole lot, not just easier, but frankly, more joyful. And uh, obviously now I'm, I'm loving the fact I get to give back so much in terms of leading education uh, for Chime and Provost of Chime University. There's more, more backstory there I'm sure we'll get into, but, but frankly, what involved me with Chime was the need and desire for connection. And that's what got me where I'm at even today. Well, one of the highest peak of volunteer service is really that connection. And, and when you become chair of Chime and, and only so many can do, can do that. And, and though it's been 30 years, we haven't had a whole 30 chairs, but a lot close to 30. You were chair in 2010 and uh, an interesting time, obviously, for the industry. But 
for you in particular, and it can be anything, it can be any kind of story, what was your fondest memory of your year as chair? Well, if I'm going to disclose my fondest memory as year as chair, I, I have to tell you first my fondest memory of my freshman year coming on the board, which was, again, um, bumping into that same guy I mentioned before named Russ, and him basically going off the board and having led education on the from the board perspective, um, and me coming in, basically giving me a trademark statement that I still hear to this day, which is, don't screw it up. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that was my fondest freshman memory. But, um, and there's a lot that happened while I was on the board. And I would encourage everyone to consider board service. It's always, it's always amazing to serve on any committee of time, any volunteer effort and to offer our time to give back. But as you mentioned, the board's sort of the penultimate of that. You, you get to uh, see things from a, a vision and view in a way that you just don't get to otherwise in terms of our profession and in terms of the whole global efforts that we do around, around furthering and transforming health and care. So as a chair, um, you know, you get into that position having served on the board for a few years, you come in, you're working with a, a, a team of people, board members, and Chime executives and leaders that really are helping you make a difference and feel like you're actually contributing even more significantly. But I would say it's interesting. I, I knew you were going to ask this question. I just knew it. And I'm like, mm, it's so hard to come to one memory. But I would say if I have to go back to one, it's not one piece of procedure we did. I mean, while I was there, we taught, we brought CMIOs into the board. We accepted, expanded the member base. We, we worked on forum. We did all those things. But um, frankly, the fondest memories I have and the best stories I have are from being with other board members and taking those connections even to another level. It's uh, seeing Joanne Sunquist, uh, <laughs> you know, doing doing really silly things that I cannot disclose because I've sworn on affidavits not to disclose those, or, or to see um, other board members um, just volunteer and work hard at things at a board level, but also have fun with each other and to support each other in moving forward. So I do, and actually, I would even narrow it down further to the strategic retreats we did because it was in those times together for multiple days that we really um, shared life. And that, that was fantastic. And I think I remember ours being, we were up in the mountains for the strategic retreat during my, my chair year. And actually we, we had scheduled one special activity because you do a little bit of bonding. And I think the one I picked was, uh, we went out and did a little white water rafting. And in that white water rafting adventure, we had some fear and trepidation but we also had a lot of great stories to come back with. And we all survived. We all made it through. Um, but, you know, it comes back to time together. And whether it's something like an activity or something like our trying to work through problems and solve problems, those are my greatest memories. And the stories I have are probably from those, those uh, just intense times together where we were trying to help move things forward. Yeah, it's funny because other people have brought that retreat year up uh, in other conversations. They remember it as the high altitude hypoxia year uh, where, where Tim tried to kill everybody through lack we, of oxygen. So. Yeah, we did have a few issues with a few board members who had to go, yeah, go rest a while because of that. We should have put yeah. an oxygen bar in, I think, or something like that. 
Well, I, I think this is just another great example. The industry is changing. So much has happened during this time, you know, though 2010 is really not that long ago in relationship to Chime, about a third of the way back, a little more than a third of the way back in its history. Still, a lot has changed during that time. You know, what, is, what has your experience been in, in this massive change and the requirements for leadership in particular and what it means for healthcare even today? Yeah, you know, um, I think of my time leading up to board chair and time subsequent to it and this uh, issue of change and, and it seems like so many things change so fast. Obviously, we're, we're, we've dealt with the pandemic over the last few years and, but, and, and so there's a temptation to think change is, brings us things that are completely different and we're completely unprepared for and we've never seen and can't deal with. That's not really true though. Um, change is constant and new things come up to challenge us and offer us opportunities. But I even think back, so most of my CIO service, actually all my CIO service was in organizations that were sort of national organizations. And there were, that meant that there were parts of the organization where we had small hospitals, parts with large hospitals, parts with home health, ambulatory, all this. And, and the systems I've worked with and been able to serve in had all those differences. So you had small versus large, this kind of stuff. But even in those, as I worked with leaders and team members across those venues and settings, the commonalities, some of it just being the humanity of, of us, um, the, meaning what change brings, we all struggle through some of the same adaptations to. We get into a sense of maybe some concern or fear or trepidation, denial, uh, maybe even anger about it. I'm thinking of Kubler-Ross now, channeling uh, some of that denial kind of stuff. But um, we have more commonalities as we go through change than, than we think. And I think trying to, again, I'm going to have this theme, I'm sure you'll hear, of just working with each other, helping each other, connecting with each other. That being able to see commonalities across both the venues of care I've been able to serve and support, um, I think sent the message, and it's the message I'm still hearing today from our members, uh, frankly, across the globe and across all the U.S., is they're struggling with similar things. They struggle with trying to help other leaders and support other leaders in the executive suite understand the opportunities. They, they struggle with the demands and resource constraints. They struggle, but then they find opportunities and in innovation to be able to find, think of solutions never before, but then they share those. And that's that, that, again, that sense of commonality. I'll even call it community that exists, that we have in Chime that is frankly so precious and, and has shaped me. But I frankly, I see it shaping our members every day. And it's just, it's amazing. It's a beautiful thing. So one of the things that's always been since the very beginning of Chime, all the way back to 92, when it was 30, 40 people just meeting, trying to figure out how to help each other through life, it's always been the concept of helping others do better, helping others flourish and, and get the most of their abilities. You're in a really unique place now in that, in that you get to lead education, not just for Chime members, but for all of Chime members teams, and now really even for the entire ecosystem with Chime U. Yeah. Why is that so important right now in particular to give the opportunity for everyone to flourish? We are, we are such such a pivot point um, in history, frankly. Um, you, I know, Russ, you talk a lot about uh, different revolutions, industrial revolutions, information revolutions. We, we are such an opportunity point right now to 
change health and care and make leaps, leaps, exponential leaps ahead. But the reality is we can't do that alone. Um, as CIOs, we can feel that passion. We can see the vision. We can have the desire. And as CNIOs and CMIOs, we can also come along for that ride. But even, even with that group, that crowd, we can't do it alone. And so the need, the imperative to offer both education, connection, um, just every opportunity possible to reach out to the broader digital health community is an imperative I think we have. Um, both individually as leaders, we have to bring others along. We have to engage with nursing. We have to engage with our medical staff. We have to engage with administrator, other administrators. We have to engage with, we have to engage across the spectrum if we really hope to take advantage of the opportunity that's in front of us to transform health and care and to have technology be an underlying um, structure, uh, the, the tapestry that lets us do that. And that's why we're pushing the boundaries of what we've ever done. We're always gonna have our core Chime membership, always. But this is that opportunity for us to spread the message, if you will, spread the word and help people buy in and own that realization that we can transform health and care by enabling digital health across the globe. Everybody can do it and it's an imperative that everybody should do it. That's why we're doing education now for perhaps professional levels, why we're doing certification for professional levels and the leader levels above them, as well as what we do with our Chime executives. So that's the imperative is not doing it alone, but taking the entire health and care community together forward in this journey and leapfrogging rather than crawling through the opportunity that's ahead. Yeah, as we do this 30th anniversary series leading up to next fall at the, at the fall forum in San Antonio, we, we, we kind of come up with a group of words and, and each one of these podcasts and each week that these podcasts will, will air will be around that word that we think amplifies not just what we hope Chime represents, but also what our responsibility is to the industry. And, and for you, we picked the word innovation. Ooh. I mean, you've been involved when you were on the board chair with new positions coming into Chime and, and now we have new titles all over the place and even more so now delivering at the highest level of education, as you mentioned, graduate degree programs. Why is innovation so important to you? Well, it, first it goes back to the definition. And, and I know different people have different definitions. I'm pretty simple. I think innovation is creative approaches to solving problems or taking advantage of opportunities. And, and as you said, I've had, a, I've had the blessing of doing that with and through Chime um, since certainly even before my board service, but I, I remember coming as a freshman on the board again. I, I won't mention the Russ guy again, but um, we, you know, I one of the things I was also asked to do by the board for their strategy was create a credential, and that's what turned into CHCI, CHCIO, and that was an innovation. It met a need. It solved. Uh, it offered an opportunity and solved a problem that we didn't have a credential as CIOs. Since then, we've added chisel, you know, security. We've added. Um, now professional certifications. And so this idea of innovation uh, finds itself in just about all the opportunity space we have, whether it's education, where we've done things like innovation conferences, we have a digital, uh, digital event happening in Florida just coming up in a few weeks, or whether it's the certification space or the education space. Innovation has to be the calling card of the approach that we take to things because the alternative is doing things as we've always done them. 
What does that lead to? Getting the same result we've always had. And we can't do that anymore. That can't work. I realize healthcare is one of those sectors and industries where the tradition is that we're a little risk, well, not a little, we're risk averse. We, we realize the implications of doing things badly and wrongly and in the harm it can cause. But the frankly, what we're faced with today is that if we don't innovate, we're going to be doing harm. Because the alternative is to leave things as they are where frankly, we haven't moved that far off of the studies that you know, were happening with, that were published in books like Creating the Quality, Crossing the Quality Chasm and all the things that told us how bad we are in terms of actually delivering care and saving lives. We have to save lives. We have to, we have to make this change. And the only way it happens is through digital transformation, digital innovation. And frankly, I, I don't see how we move forward in our own profession with integrity if we don't push to innovate. It's just the, it's the inevitability, it's the imperative, and I can pick out other I words of innovation. <laughs> well, at, at that same note, you know, we talked about Chime University earlier and, and, and that's a new initiative for us and teaching uh, the next wave of leaders, the next generation, which we've been doing now for a long time. Matter of fact, there's old dogs like you and I, we went through the old IME series back in the 90s, which is part of the reason we are here today. But you're teaching a lot of this new and up and coming leaders. What's, what's the core things we're teaching them right now to, to prepare them for these tough jobs? So that's a great question. And it's really exciting what we're doing. Some people might ask, well, why are you doing this professional graduate education thing? You've done professional education for 30 years. We know Chime. You're all about the professional education and quality and boot camps and all the things you've done. And yes, we're continuing to do those. In fact, we're innovating with them. Every program that we have done historically in face-to-face -face like boot camps, we now offer digitally as well. But we saw that there was there was more opportunity. That wasn't enough in that there was still a greater need, particularly as you, we looked at people as they were moving through their career, because we wanted to offer something from the beginning of career all the way to retirement. What was there for the people in middle career, late career, to still keep up as, as continual learners, advance their capabilities? And we said, well, there's not much. You can go take these $100,000 programs through some of these business schools, I suppose, but how relevant is that? So we said, you know, we, we feel like we have to do this. We have to move and now create graduate education. We looked for partners in this originally, colleges that wanted to partner with us, but most of them seem to be very much in it, shall I say this, for the money. I know that's shocking. And it's Chime, I mean, we're not for profit. We're here for the, we're here for the profession. So we wanted to make a pro programs and degrees that were accessible and affordable. So what we did is we innovated and we said, we're gonna make degree programs and we are a licensed university, by the way, this is all legit, bona fide licensed. We're pursuing the accreditation path, which you can't get till you've been licensed and have a few years, but we're pursuing this because we feel the need for people to have access to quality degrees they can afford. So we're teaching things like digital health. I mean, what you need to know to truly lead digital health. It's the future of healthcare technology. Um, for those who are in our master's programs, we're giving them more fundamental things too, like healthcare finance. I, we're, we're involved in that course right now and for recording some new lectures and things for that. But healthcare finance, informatics, how do you lead through change, process improvement. Um, these are things that while you may be able to go get some of that content in other places, 
You won't get it with the perspective of the leaders who are teaching these courses because the leaders teaching each of these are degreed. In fact, they're terminally degreed. That doesn't mean they're dead. That means they have their doctorate, their doctor's degree. They're doctorally degreed, degreed faculty teaching these, but they're practitioners. They are CIOs like our members, CMIOs like our members, CN who are teaching and leading these courses and educating not from just the academic perspective, yes, that, but also the practical perspective. So you don't get that combination anywhere and you sure don't get it in as accessible a format as we're doing and as an affordable format as we're doing. And that's why we're doing it. We have to help everyone be better. As you've come through your career, you know, and, and, and I've said this with the other podcasts from the other chairs, is we've all walked in the footsteps of other great leaders. And we've all, as the saying says, we've all stood on the shoulders of the giants that came before us. But we always wanted to give people that opportunity you know, to thank those, to, to recognize those that were an important part of your career, an important part of your time at Chime, whatever it may be as we, we all deserve, they all deserve to be recognized. And we hopefully get to do that well before they're gone. Uh, and sometimes we wait too long to do that. But I'd love to hear your thoughts on those people that were part of your journey that you would yeah. love to recognize. There have been, wow, so hard because there's been so many. Um, we, it's, I think the, the old saying is we stand on the shoulders of, of others and giants. And it's, I could probably go on with a list, but I know that this podcast only goes for a short amount of time, not three days, which would probably how, how long it take me to list them. But let me give you three, just because I love, frankly, three is my favorite number. So I love that. Um, and these are people who I have seen as leaders, who I've watched as leaders and who I've learned immense leadership lessons from. And um, the first of these is John Glasser. John Glasser has just, uh, I have so enjoyed spending time with John as I was coming up as a CIO, seeing him at forums, but also um, seeing him teach at boot camps, and then seeing the transitions he made, frankly, in his career, has have seen him just try to give so much. And I get a, the pleasure of working with him now in Chime University, but John Glasser for me is just, uh, I mean, the preeminent picture of a CIO, and probably most of all because his sense of humor is unparalleled. And so I, I love that about John. His sense of humor in leadership has been beautiful. A second on list is uh, Joanne Sunquist. Joanne served as a chair before me. And um, Joanne has bring sense, such a passion for what she does to everything. And I've, I've always enjoyed watching her lead. And I've benefited from seeing her leadership acted out, but in a very personal um, way, in a compassionate way. And I, I love that about Joanne. Um, third I'll pick is Tim's off and Tim also has taught in boot camp and has a lot of history. He's, he's also tried some interesting things, even from leading, uh, being a leading strategy and construction at uh, some of his past roles as a, as an executive in health systems. But the thing I enjoy about Tim, whenever we get together, it's sort of, it actually, it's sort of freaky and we sort of freak out the people around us when we're together because I, I, take this the right way, but we look deep into each other's eyes and we just smile. Um, Tim, besides the fact that his name's Tim, so of course, you know, there's an affinity there, but Tim has such a depth to him, which I so enjoy. And um, we, every time we can reconnect, it is such a catch up opportunity for us with our families and just um, in terms of resonating with life. And I just enjoy the depth that Tim, Tim brings 
um, whenever I see him, whenever we talk. And it's just, I can't help but smile. I always smile. So those are three. I could mention easily 300 more, but um, I realize that you have a clock running, so I'll stop. Well, let's uh, let's put a different hat on you now, and that is that role of futurist, what the future may hold. As you look at the radical change that's occurring in healthcare, and you can take it in lots of different directions, technology and consumerism and so many different directions, but I, I think there's little doubt that we're entering into a period of, of rapid disruption and rapid change, as you mentioned earlier. So give us some idea of what you think, from any perspective you want, what you think healthcare is going to look like and act like in, in the near future. Pick a time frame of your choosing, three years, five years, 10 years, whatever it is you want. Yeah, if I pick 10 years, it'll truly happen in five. So I, I'm not, maybe I'll stick with that or something. But let me, let me answer that with some characteristics I think are, uh, that are inevitable. And actually they're driven by a, an imperative that we were given, it was a fall form and I don't actually remember the year, we had the founder of the, the website and the patients like me come in and speak to us. And I clearly, I still remember very clearly in, the, in that forum when he was given the keynote, he said, I encourage you, I encourage, exhort, just push. As CIOs, you must drive towards gathering as deep data as possible on each of the individuals that you interact with in health and care. You must drive towards deep data because frankly, a lot of the times our, our focus is on population data. How many people can we gather in? How many million data points can we? But it statistically, actually you get too big, it becomes meaningless. Law of large numbers and all that. So deep data is truly what helps us not just answer clinical questions or even deal with operational challenges, but deep data, I think, drives us to personalization of care. And I think the future of care is all about personalization of care. I don't just mean personalized medicine. I mean, being able to recognize that we are dealing with humans, that what we provide in terms of care requires knowing more about each individual human we're dealing with. And then understanding that we now have the tools to be able to do that in ways no one ever has. The, the fact that we are now able to integrate AI with clinical decision support and diagnostics and intervention methodologies is, is phenomenal, but we're not doing enough of that. The fact that we can do deep learning and, and with data lakes and repositories that we're now gathering and be able to understand better the humans that we're treating, we're not doing enough of that. But I think the future is exactly that. It is, I'm not gonna say personalized medicine, it's personalized health and care. And that means across the continuum of a person's life. It means helping them avoid getting in the hospital. It means working with them in a way so that they are motivated, positively motivated to take care of themselves and stay well. I think, how does this look? I think it becomes in many ways invisible and seamless. On the consumer front, in our homes, it's more integrated into just whether it's the assistant who I'm not going to name here, my digital assistant who will say something to me if I call out her name, or, or whatever it is, those are going to become more and more ingrained in the moments of our life, and they are going to be able to know us better. This can be scary because everybody will then say, well, privacy, confidence, how do we protect? How do we? And I think that's important so that we stay with an opportunity for people to control the level of that they are, they want to be known. But the future of health and care is to know the people, the humans we deal with deeply and be able to provide them what they need where they need it, when they need it, and usually even before they need it. 
so that that proactive level of care um, becomes just the default. It is the, it is the way things are done. Um, and that's going to look in a lot of different ways in terms of the tech, but it does mean that the technology, the digital components have to be everywhere, have to be all through every process and touch point that an encounter that we have with our patients, with the community, with their families, with our own team members, so that we can better customize each, each engagement to what that human needs. Well, listeners, I think you know why Tim is in charge of our university now. He's one smart guy, that's for sure. So with that, our time is just about up. Any final thoughts for our listeners, Tim, that you'd like to share? Yeah, I mean, if you're listening to this, I, I applaud you because you're already taking it personally to engage in being a continual learner and to move forward. I would encourage you and push you to do that. And I'll, I'll even be you know, a little in your face about it if you talk to me personally. Do more. Um, we all have this obligation, do more, be better, and don't do it alone. Bring your team along, bring your whole organization along. And you don't have to do it alone. We are there as a community to be there with you and to help with this. So reach out, connect, let, let us be part of that journey. Um, frankly, we love you. We are here for you. You are our, you're, you're our people, man. So I guess that'd be the message. I know the people listening to this probably already know that, but hopefully that message can be conveyed by them to every person they meet. Let's do this together. Well, Tim, we'd like to thank you for all your service to Chime over the many, many years and now decades, which is making us feel older that we're doing time in decades. But thank you for being part of such a special part of the Chime story, being a chair in the past, but now even more importantly, being part of the future as our provost in Chime University. Thank you, Russ. Thank you all for listening and being part of this special 30th anniversary podcast. As always, you can listen to us on Spotify or chimecentral.org forward slash media to listen to all of these amazing top healthcare leaders. As always, stay safe and God bless.